Welcome to the Gospel According to Podcast, the first and only podcast looking at the intersection of pop culture and the Christian faith. I'm Dan Ulrich, joined as always by my co-host. You may know him as the guy that will turn this podcast around and go home if you don't knock it off. That's Dave Hallahan. <laughs> I I don't think I've had to use that. It's not on a podcast before, but even driving with our girls, I don't think I've quite threatened to have to turn the car around. We won't go anywhere. We haven't gotten there yet, but uh, do you I have any I've... like typical dad phrases that you have become part of your vernacular? <laughs> no, I I mean probably my girls would probably answer that better. I think less than like specific phrases is just very much sarcasm <laughs> is the thing and like now riley so our oldest is uh well versed in sarcasm and she'll like say things and leah just looks at me and she's like that's your fault <laughs> and i'm like i yep um do you have any dan yeah that's like all i say anymore the, so much that the girls like no like tonight i was doing the they asked for like another scoop of ice cream or something i was like no and I was like, oh, you know what, Elsie? I'm sorry. Ask me again. Can I have another scoop of ice cream? No! And then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like fooling around with them like that. It's like they've got, they've gotten to the point that they don't fall for them as much. But uh, you, you probably have heard that uh, that laugh was not mine. We are oh, not alone tonight. Uh, and so we are joined by a guest. Uh, and you may know her as... The woman about town, Miss Woodbury, oh. <laughs> Pam Lewis. Hello. Pam, welcome. Welcome to myself. Well, hello, hello, <laughs> look, yes. Um, good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on, Pam. By Dan's introduction and the title of the episode, you have probably figured out that this is the gospel according to parenting is this episode. And uh, Dan and I, we were like, we need, obviously a mom's voice on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> neither Dan nor I have ever been moms before. Yes. Uh, we also, between the two of us, we have seven children and neither of us will or have raised a boy right, at all. Right. And so Pam, you have a son uh, and, and two grandsons, right? I have three grandsons. Three grandsons. I have Three daughters, one son, and my oldest daughter, Capri, has three sons, um, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, and Isaiah, and she has a daughter, Naomi. So we reversed roles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was possible, that you're allowed to have sons. I thought it was just... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just telling Pam before, and then you may be able to figure this out if you didn't already know, but my dad was the start of a run of boys in his family. He's the youngest in his family. He had four sons. And then my brother Josh had two sons. Um, so how many did I? So that's seven. And then, um, so when we got pregnant with our first child, I said to Leah, we're having a boy. I'm sorry to tell you, yes. but like, if you if you want a girl, too bad. We only have boys. <laughs> and then we had Riley, who uh, was a girl, and still is. Uh, and uh, we... Uh, she was actually the start of a run of six now in our family, uh, three total for me and my wife, Leah. Uh, but then I have uh, three nieces uh, that have come since then as well. So, so yeah, we, uh, we swung the tides to yes. all girls. So um, can I just interject this? Cause he mentioned this and I thought it was worth mentioning, but his father is one of seven 
brothers, right? No, no. So he so, started a run. Oh, of he started. I thought yeah, you yeah. said it was seven. He actually of them. is. He is one of seven. Right. He, but okay. He had sisters. Oh, as well. okay. Yeah, yeah. See, see, this is why I don't gossip. Because see how you can just <laughs> change that up. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, Pam, you bring another perspective as well because uh, this isn't a video podcast, but right. you're a little bit tanner than I am. Yes, I am <laughs> actually chocolate ice cream. I am African American, black. I don't. I, it's so many different little words to describe who I am. But I am a dark skinned woman. I would not pass the paper bag test. Um, we have a joke in our family. We always say that if we had to be someplace working. The rest of my family would be in the kitchen living good. I'd have to be outside cleaning up and raking because of my complexion. So you love it or leave it. It's who I am. But yeah. Well, I love it. And I'm glad that you're here. Let's we'll talk about all things parenting. And uh, I think our perspectives, both of two of us being dads of only girls, uh, you being a mom um, uh, of daughters and a son, uh, will all come into it. But uh, Dan, we, you and I, we are girl dads. Um, and so what has that experience been like for you, Dan? Did, were you like gung ho, like girls from the beginning, or were you like thinking, Oh, I'll have a son or like play that out for us. And don't, you, your daughters will never listen to this. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about being honest. <laughs> no, no, I was a, I was a girl dad convert. So, I mean, growing up, I was a boy. And so I expected to have a son, to have similar experiences as I did. And we, uh, yeah, so we found out Abigail is our oldest. We found out we were having a girl beforehand, like ultrasound uh, stuff. And so I was excited, you know, daddy's little girl. We had we had our, our next one at that point. It was like, all right, maybe we'll have one of each because I was one of each, had an older sister. And then me, it was just the two of us. I was like, oh, maybe we'll do like what my, my parents did. And then Elsie was another girl and then at that point i was all in like i wanted like we were gonna have a third and i was like this will be so much easier i know girls <laughs> i don't know how to you know we have all the girls toys we have all the girls clothes so we had a third girl and at that point after a couple of years we decided we want to have a fourth and at that point i was like this better be a girl because just like <laughs> if it's a boy, then it's going to be three and one. He's going to be spoiled. He's going to get all his new mm-hmm. stuff. And like mm-hmm. we're have to split up like three girls in one room, one boy in the other room. So I was like, no, at this point, I'm all team girls like through and through. <laughs> yeah, I would say my experience was similar, just uh, with one less child involved in the, <laughs> in the mix. Uh, but I already said, like I told Leah when she got pregnant, I was like, it's a boy. That's just what's going to happen. Uh, and then turns out. I was wrong. And we did, we found out before she was born too. So when I found out, I, I true, I don't remember. I don't think there was any like sense of disappointment. I was like, all right, a girl, (laughs) that's great. As long as she's healthy, uh, then that'll be awesome. And we had her by herself for four years. And so I like leaned in to the girl dadding hard, like right away. Um, and so then when we got pregnant with our second, I was like, well, you know, I, I was, I was like, if it's a boy, then maybe we can be done <laughs> having kids. Like we can we'll have one of each and we can be done. Uh, but that was like as much as I hoped for a boy, because at that point I had four years of parenting experience all with a girl. And I'm like, well, that, I, I think maybe I kind of know what I'm doing here. So was a girl. And then, yeah, by number three, same thoughts as you. I was like, at this point, like 
we've got girls. I don't want to have to buy all new crap for a boy. And like, this would just be <laughs> much more expedient if it was a girl. And it is. So uh, yeah, girl dad through and through. But Pam, you, you've got the mix here. You had two daughters and then your son and then another daughter. Right. right. Uh, was there, was there like hoping for a gender one way or the other for you? And then uh follow up question before you answer that one is when you found out you Adisa, you were having a son and mm -hmm. you already had two girls. What was that reaction like for you? Okay. So before I answer that, I'm just going to go back to the two of you guys. Cause when you were sharing <laughs> your stories, I thought, wow, I love the projection piece. I love that once they realized they were one and then it came two, they started looking ahead and looked at the benefits because <laughs> a lot of people don't do that. So just know kudos, kudos to both of y'all for just going, you know what? It's going to be a little bit better because we already have what we need. Because if more people thought like that, there would be less of that angst that came with the fact that, oh, we didn't have the son. Hmm. So um, back to your question with regards to having the daughters, then um, finding out that I was having a son, which unlike every, unlike most people, um, I had my first child when I was, uh, I was 17 when I was pregnant. So they had all those things available at that time, but I didn't want to know what I was having. Mm. So all of my kids, dad knew, but I made them keep it a secret. I didn't want to know. So when I had my first girl, she was supposed to be an only child anyway. I don't even know how the other three got here, right? <laughs> they're just, they're here. Well, um, that's a talk for a different right. podcast. But. <laughs> but when I had the two girls, it was great. But then when I gave birth to my son, it was a whole, it was a different ball game. And even prior to giving birth to him, not knowing he was going to be a boy, I can remember being in Somerset, New Jersey, walking on Hamilton Street. And this girl, her name was Shantae. I'll never forget <laughs> that moment. We're walking and she said to me, what if it's a boy? And I know exactly where I was by pro beauty. And I said, it doesn't matter. She said, yeah, but you'd have to raise him different. And because of society, and you got to think, I decided 23 this hmm. year. So 23 years ago, he was in my womb and somebody who hadn't even had a child thought about how different it would be. One, if it was a boy and two, how I would have to look at raising him differently than my daughters because he was a boy and he was African-American. Those thoughts never even occurred to me mm. because I just thought you raise them all the same. You right. give them the same values, but it is totally different. It really is. Yeah. So in 23 years with Adisa, like uh, how has that experience been, been different? It's been, I think it's more emotional. I think it's more draining. I think it's more, um, there's more moments you have to let go. Hmm. It's, you know, dad is there and he has other men in his life, but I just find that because of the personality I have, I'm very active. Um, but it was very, it's a, it's, it's a hard process from the time he was in kindergarten. I just always found that I was making sure I was a little bit more of his mouthpiece than I had to be for hmm. his sisters, because that's a difference. You try to teach a young man to be a gentleman, to be this, to be that. But on the same, in that same breath, you're trying to teach them to not be aggressive mm. because it's going to come off differently. If his sisters walk into class and they're acting a certain way, they're girls and they're probably having a bad day. But he's a boy and he's African-American and we lived in North Brunswick. So it was predominantly, it was called, predominantly Caucasian. It was, a, a, um, the mixture wasn't as much as it is here. Mm. So although he knew how to move, there were so many times I had to sit him down, even though his friends would be doing something and go, you can't do that. 
you know, and this is how, and, and I didn't put that fear of you look like this, so you can't do that in him, but I did help him. And if he was here, he would attest to that. I just helped him to understand that when you get older, you'll see better. Mm-hmm. And by the time he was like in the fourth grade, he had a best friend, Jake, he began to tell me he could see the difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just a lot more, it was worry. I never thought I would have to do yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, this may sound thin, but uh, I'm one sorry that that is an experience that both you and him have to have to go through. Uh, but also thank you for for sharing that because that is a perspective that Dan and I, for multiple reasons, will <laughs> will never be able to have. Um, so I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. And uh, it, if you have listened to all of the our episodes back in chapter zero, the about the authors episode, no, the Kanye West. It was the Kanye West episode. So the first episode. Dan, remember when I was talking about people who are like really cool that you just want to be them and talk <laughs> like them? Those are her youngest two kids, both oh, Adisa and Savannah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm supposed to be their youth pastor, but I'm like, I wish I was them. They're yeah. so cool. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. And just to uh, uh, piggyback on what he said, Savannah just graduated a week ago from high school. So when you open her yearbook, that is the fourth sentence that I wrote to her that if I was her age, I would want to be her friend. Hmm. It doesn't mean we always get along. It doesn't mean I see things always the way she sees it, but I like the way she moves, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and Adi saw too, but it's mm-hmm. just, he's still finding his way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he had a lot of good experiences yeah. with that said, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, he yeah and I think uh, me wanting to be friends with your kids is a testament to you. Right. Uh, so, uh, Dan, as, as you've, how old is your oldest now? She's 10? 10. 10. 10. Yeah. Um, so we have, you and I both have many more stages of parenting uh, ahead of us, but so far in those 10 years, uh, have you had like a favorite uh, age or a favorite season of parenting? Now I, I heard someone say before, like they're like had that, but I've enjoyed each one as it's come. Like uh, just the experiencing my daughters and, and the thing with having like four girls, it's like, oh, you have four girls, but they're all so different. They mm-hmm. they they look different. They act different. They have different interests. I mean, there's some similarities growing up in the same house and everything. But I just love, you know, getting to see the different stages from when they're real little, you know, babies holding them. I was, you know, I've always been a pastor, so I've always been home with the girls uh, when my wife worked part time and then full time. So I got to do the whole kind of stay at home dad thing but yeah i've loved every stage so far zero to ten so far <laughs> i i've loved the the differences of it the differences of them growing up and just um getting to see them in different stages of their life yeah they do say it's all downhill after 11 though so sorry <laughs> sorry bud <laughs> uh, now i i would agree to a lot of that like it, it maps onto my experience as well um I do think I struggled with like the bait, like newborn infancy stages that um, they were just before our relationship was reciprocal when it was just one way. I, I struggled with that stage, like finding like deep, meaningful connection with this kind of blob of a, of a human, you know, I loved them. I would protect them and cared for them, but like it, it was, I don't know. I found it hard to connect there. And then I've actually on uh, a previous podcast that I had, uh, I talked about my struggles with our middle child. Um, 
So if she's listening, Logan, I love you. You're awesome. But also you sent me to therapy. So, um, but that, that ended up being a, a good thing. And uh, I think God taught me a lot through that. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I would say like right now is kind of my favorite stage with their nine, four and three. And just the way that they're able to all play with each other. And certainly that means that they fight and get in stupid arguments that are annoying. But like now that they're all at an age where like they all can be creative, that they can all do the same thing with one another um, ha- has been really cool. So I've been enjoying that. Uh, Pam, as you, you've a little bit more seasoned than us. Was it, Did you have some favorite like seasons of parenting? Yeah. uh, So my oldest is 36 now. The youngest is 18. The best time for all four of my children, in all honesty, was when I had the illusion of control. (laughs) Um, And it's the truth. I I think control is just an illusion. If you have a child who has the the ability to say, it doesn't matter what you take from me, I'm still going to have my way then you don't have control. So for me, it was from the time they were born until with all of them, until they were roughly about 10, because I was able to always jump in. And if anything went wrong as a mom, I could go up to the school. If it was an issue with children, I could bring all the kids to the table and I could even bring their parents and we could talk or if it was something they wanted to do. But once they got a certain age, And I did not. And to this day, that's one of my mantras. I do not live vicariously to any of my children. Whether they fail or succeed, I'm still, to me, a really good parent. I Mm. did my best. But um, it it was the formative years were the best for all of them. But once they got a certain age, it just, everything changed. Because, again, to his point, to Dan's point, the personalities completely different raised in the same house same values and you do have to step aside to let them become who they're becoming and when you're relinquishing that it just feels like darn they're (laughs) not going down the street that you know so it was for me it was just those formative years i like who they are now and but it was really from newborn to roughly by the seventh grade i would say yeah yeah and when they like when they get older dan and i haven't experienced this but tell me if this is is true of your experience that them like getting older having more autonomy and even when they leave your house it's not that you worry about them less you can actually worry about them more in that in that phase well i do worry about them more um i don't know if you can remember only once when i was here at hope did i break down and cry so hard that it was almost like the entire church was around me. And then I look up and I think I've mentioned it to you, how you could feel the sea of people parting. And Pastor Mark came to me and he was like, Pam, what is going on? And this was like two years ago. And it was like, ah, just to think about it is overwhelming because my son, you know, he's 21 and so much was happening in the world. And again, when he's 10 and things are happening, I could put my arms around him. I could use my conversation. I could use my network of people, but he's now 21. And I was more worried, lost more sleep, um, praying all the time about things <laughs> yeah. I didn't need to. Yeah. Right. It was just, you work to me. It's, it's more, it was, it's more work being the mother of an adult child mm. than it is for the young ones. Yeah. With that, I think one of the, the lies that people can believe about parenting uh, one of the false gospels of parenting is like just to like 
hurry through the moments like oh if i can just get them to when they're on their own or get them to when they're independent dan what are some other like false gospels or lies that uh maybe you've even had to like wrestle with and uh found to be lies in your own life or that you know other people have when it comes to parenting uh i think just um the cookie cutter mold of like this is what works and i think you run into that more in mom circles than dads but like the whole judgment uh thing is like oh you let them do this oh you let them do that and like you know we've all done it like before you have kids you're like my kids are never gonna do this we're always gonna do this we're not gonna watch tv we're gonna do you know have everything planned out. They're not going to eat this. And then you get to the first kid and you become a little more relaxed and the second kid. And it's just like, you know, you have to move and adapt and even just kid to kid. Like I said, ours are so different. Like they excel in ways differently. So I've had to even now when they're young, like change my way of, of viewing them and change my way of what success is. Like if I have one daughter that doesn't do as well in school, but she's so much more social and loves cooking and helping around the house and like helping with the animals and stuff like that of like just letting them be their individuals and supporting them in the area they are and not trying to take them and like fit them into kind of what Pam said is like living vicariously. Like I don't need to fit my kids into my ideal of what they need to be, what Mm. they need to do and not, and not do that for other parents or other kids. I'm like, Mm-hmm. just it's so easy for us to like see them be like oh i can't believe they're doing that and i i think that hurts our our witness even if we're not doing it externally but internally to like see that because we don't know the stories behind that we don't know the pathways that people are are, are walking through and for us living in judgment or, or projecting something on them that's going to be a way for me to not fully love and care for them the way that christ wants us to and so I think just being more flexible and more open and more available and not so strict in how I think things need to be done in certain situations, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's good. And uh, <clears throat> there's a comedian who uh, has gotten into some trouble, so I won't mention his name to give him promotion. But <laughs> he, he talks about how like before you have kids and a kid is like, or a parent is like yelling at a kid in the store and it's like, Oh, Timmy, we're gotta go. I'll take you out there. I'll spank you right now. And you're always like, Oh, that parent is such a jerk. And then you become a parent and you see that parent and you're like, what did that kid do to deserve this? That kid is such a jerk. (laughs) And hopefully in, in some ways that I think are good parenting does give you that humility and grace for other parents that um, if between us, if you've ever had someone who like wasn't a parent who tries to give you parenting advice and you're just like, I want to punch you right in the face right now. Cause you have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. But no, I, I think that like avoiding that cookie cutter mold of parenting is so good because like, even with our oldest, like I've said to Leah before, like one of the things I think we're going to have to kind of teach her is that it's okay to fail that because I think she's such like a perfectionist and puts pressure on herself that we're going to have to be like, no, it's okay to like, even to do things wrong to like, why don't you sneak out of the house every once in a while? (laughs) Like, I think she's such a rule follower. Like I'm going to like, we have to kind of teach her to like be her own person a little bit. Um, And then like our youngest, 
she's only three, but already I know that will not be her struggle. <laughs> that she, she will already she she will figure that one out on herself. We're gonna have to, you know, teach her to like stay in line uh, at times. But um, yeah, there's no one way to parent, and that's from child to child, much less house to house. So. Uh, to have grace. How about for you, Pam? Uh, can you think of like maybe again there are lies that you believed, and then you had you saw them as lies, or maybe just that you know other people have when it comes to parenting? Well, no, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the whole terrible twos, because like I remember always pushing back, saying I never read that in the Bible, so <laughs> I never <Yeah. laughs> held on to the terrible twos, and I can't really think of lies. I, you know, even to think that boys are different than girls. Um, of course they're going to be because a man is different than a woman. But I think um, at the same time, you can do the same things, say mm. the same things. And to go back to Dan's point and even yours, when you just take one step back, you don't have to take 10 steps back, but if you just take one step back and you see the child for who they are, the artist, the, the, the reader, the one who likes to do video games and the other one who's always in a book. If you just take one step to appreciate who each of those people are, it, it, it just works better. Mm -hmm. So I think at a young age, cause again, I was 18 when I had my child, but I, my mom kind of did it that way. Um, and I won't say it was great. She didn't, she hadn't honed it, but I learned to hone it. So yeah. I don't have any. Yeah. I think one that you kind of uh, touched on, Pam, is that you said something, I'm paraphrasing here, but that as your kids are adults now, that whether they fail or have success, that you're still a good parent, that you you did your job. You can't, you can't grade yourself on what your kids do. And I think the lie that many parents believe is that my, my kids, uh, the people that they become are reflective of how I did as a parent. And I think um, that is so prevalent and easy to believe. Um, but, you know, not to parent for a result, but to to trust the process of parenting and to, to parent for character um, that, you know, we're not just trying to make perfect people. But, you know, I have failed and that's because of me, not because of my parents. And so when my kids fail, it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be because of them. Uh, and I'm still going to be there with them in that. But I can't grade myself <laughs> based off of uh, the success or failure of, of my kids. Let me just interject by saying there are moments in the years that I've been parenting that I have woke up and thought, oh, my God, a choice that I made or something that I said may have affected X, Y, and Z. So I have prayed about it. I have cried about it. I have actually went to people who are a lot more pessimistic. I think the best way to find out a little, a litmus test and for me is to always go to that pessimistic person in my family mm. who never, who always sees things the opposite of me. And when I bring it to them, they go, Oh no, you did X, Y, and Z. And I go, okay. You know, because there are moments I do feel like that, but I don't live in it. I don't live in it because it's not a good place. I don't. Yeah. 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 All right. So we talked about some false gospels that um, parents, we can be sucked in or maybe believed at one point. So what is the gospel according to parenting? What is the way we've seen the gospel uh, in parenting according to parenting? Oh, man. Uh, I think one of the like, the truths of parenting, the gospel truths of parenting is, I think of in James, where James says that uh, 
the word is like a mirror. You look into it and, and you see yourself. Um, and I think God has given us children for that same purpose <laughs> as well. Uh, and it hurts sometimes, <laughs> but um, that our kids serve like not, I just said, right. That we can't grade ourselves based on who our children become. So I don't mean that they're mirrors in that way, but I think that like, you know, when, when my kids are, are misbehaving or if I'm trying to get something done and then they're not even misbehaving, they just want my attention. They want me to play or to read or to whatever. And I snap at them. That moment is a mirror for me that it shows me the ugliness in me. Um, not because they're doing anything bad, but because of my reaction towards them. And so I think, um, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself <laughs> since I've had kids that I didn't know. Um, and I think, I think that is God's, that is one of the ways God has just created <laughs> the world to be that, uh, our kids end up teaching us about ourselves and, uh, areas that, that we need to kind of fix and get right. Um, so that would be, I would say, one of the the gospels according to parenting, um, just that our kids can be mirrors uh, to who we are inside. Do you have any thoughts there, Pam? No, I actually was laughing in my head now out loud that earlier when you guys were talking, that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm. That our kids are images, and sometimes when we don't like what we see in them, it's just a reflection of us. Because I mean, think about it: if they're around us quite often, especially if they're homeschooled, they're getting a lot of who they are from us. And then when they give it back, you go, hey, where did you get that from? Why did you say that? But then quietly you sneak off and go, oh my God. They just, so I love it. I love that you pointed that out. What is something you would say you know about God that you didn't know before you were a parent? For me, I would say that he answers prayers, um, he answers prayers. Like I, I always knew that God answered prayers. Um, and I knew that he can do them in a heartbeat. And I knew that he can um, change a situation in a moment. Right. But when I had kids, that's when it became very evident to me when I'm laying in my bed and I'm reading that scripture and I'm speaking the scripture back over a situation. Um, and it just happened this Saturday where I didn't want to impose what I thought or how I thought one of my children should handle a situation. First of all, I'm grateful that they come to me as adults to have certain conversations. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I'll say to them, first, let's pray about it. And then I'll ask them questions and try to throw a little scripture in there. And then to see God in less than 24 hours move in the way that my child was not wanting to move. I know that it was nothing but prayer. It wasn't me pushing my preference of how they should handle something. It was like, listen, this is what the word says about that. And a week from now, if you do what you just told me you wanted to do based on what was done to you, and you could look back, is that going to be what you really want? And that was just me taking the scripture and mm -hmm. giving it to them. Then I yeah. always tell them, if the scripture don't work, you know, if you you got to work it. If it don't work, then go do something else. So for me, that's that's what it is. I, I, I learned prayer. I mean, it has made me a prayer warrior. Pa parenting has made me a hmm. prayer warrior. Yes. Not even marriage. Prayer <laughs> war. Parenting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I would say 
knowing or or what it means that God is our father. Scripture often talks of God as our father. And and what what does that mean? Uh, I've had a dad and I think I had a, a good dad who certainly loved me. But there's something about being a dad that hits different um, for me. And and I've, I alluded to some of the struggles I had with our, our middle daughter. And I think some of that was just like I was living such a hurried life. Like I wanted to do all of the things. Um, and so like when I was at work, I felt bad that uh, especially once like our third child was born, uh, our daughter was like 19 months. And uh, she, I know this isn't in the Bible, Pam, but she hit the terrible twos at about 19 months. Um, <laughs> and uh, so she just was a lot and she only wanted me. She didn't want her mom at all. But like, even when she was with me, she wasn't happy with me. So she just tortured me. <laughs> uh, and so when I was at home, I was like, oh, I should, if I was at work, I would have peace and quiet and I could get things done. When I was at work, I was like, oh, my wife has the three kids. And so I just, I was never like content or satisfied. And I think like the work that God has done in me is just to realize that all of my daughters, like what they want is just me and my attention and my presence. Um, And that's what God desires from us too, Um, that God just wants to be with us. And I I was reading recently um, and the author said that like when a father, when a daughter or for me, a daughter, but when a child runs into uh, his her father's arms and if she's looking around and in her mind she's thinking oh that's a pretty bird or oh look at that whatever that ice cream truck or it doesn't matter what she's thinking if she's running to my arms i'm just happy that she's there and that's how god feels about us and i think that like if i heard if i read that uh 10 years ago <laughs> i would have been like that's cute but whatever but I'm like, no, like I get that. Like if my daughters just want me, then I'm happy with that. Um, and to think that that's how God feels about me uh, is does all sorts of things for me. But um, so I think that's that's what I've learned, what it means that God is father. Uh, all of my best intentions, God actually does those. He doesn't just intend to do them uh, and far more than I could even uh, imagine to do yes. as a father. How about you, Dan? Yeah, the, the one thing that I was been taught about God and just about life and the reason sometimes I encourage or I don't know if I encourage, but I see the value in people that are on the fence about, you know, having kids is like, it just teaches you things that you can't learn. Like you can't learn in a book. Like it's like life experience. And the biggest thing for me was like just learning that it's not about me, that life's Mm -hmm. not about me. Literally, there's this human being that I am responsible for, you know, when they're little, like feeding, clean up from like, they will die if I do not take mm-hmm. care of them. And so that just reframes your entire life. It like changes everything that life is no longer about all of my wants, my thoughts, my desires. And that's a lesson that God wants us to know. It's like, think of others more highly than yourself, like put others first, you know, those who are last shall be first. This idea of this selflessness that Christ, you know, gives us the example of, of, you know, washing his disciples feet of like being obedient to the cross for us. These things that it's like you're forced as a parent to like learn these things of taking care of someone else of like, 
you know, caring for their needs of humbling yourself of, you know, having to learn how to be a servant uh, and that servanthoodness. And when we're doing those things, when we're when we're giving of ourselves, when we're caring for someone else's needs above ourselves, we're connecting with who Christ is, because that's his character. That's how he loves us, that doing things, not expecting something in return. We're not like, you know, so much of our interactions with other people are like, what can I get out of it? But it's like parenting. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this because I have to, because I love this and with expecting nothing in return, really. Well, I think that's a great segue into our Bible breakdown. <laughs> and here comes the breakdown. For the Bible breakdown uh, uh, on this episode, the Gospel according to parenting, are there like go-to passages or stories, whatever? Like if you're struggling in your parenting, or just even for other people, if they're looking for advice, like is, are there go-to places in the Bible for you when it comes to the topic of parenting? Pam, you you made audible reactions when Ooh, I said that, so yes. I feel like you've got a few for us. I would say the primary one is Proverbs twenty-one and one. the The heart of the uh, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like the rivers of water, he turneth it whatever so he will, or whichever way, depending on which Bible for whichever um, Bible you're reading. But at the essence of that, it's for me. It simply means God. Here is my ch here's my child. Here's their situation. Put it in your hands. And instead of me taking it and wanting it to go the way I think it should go, the way I want it to go, to go as fast as I think it should go, why didn't it already go there? When I look at Proverbs 21 and 1 and I say, God, you take the heart and you take the head of this child and you turn it the way that you want it to go, hmm. I know that it's going to go the way it's supposed to go. I go back to one of you talked about the humbling um, experience. That passage of scripture humbled me hmm. because I always thought I know the right way. Like I've been doing this since I was 17 hmm. and, and I did it on my own. And, and, you know, of course, eventually I got married, but before that it was still me. So y'all, my way works. But then it was like, no, yeah, God way, God's way always works. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and I'm even telling you, it may not look the way I even want it to look, but I know it's going to be right. Yeah. So Proverbs 21 and then Proverbs 3, the entire Proverbs 3, because I think Proverbs 3 covers the essence of life. Every Everything that you could kind of encounter in parenting, um, it's in there. And so I go there. So those are my two yeah. um, books and scripture that I use. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause so much of the, like the trappings of parenting, the false gospel of parenting is about control. Um, and to realize that we're not in control. God is, um, yeah. Powerful reminder. Dan, how about you? I think just that the essence of, I can't do this on my own. Like so often parenting is overwhelming where you're like, I got this to do. I got this to do. And then yeah, you, you take a step back and you're like, Oh my gosh, like if I screw up here, like how is this going to affect them? Like, are they going to be in therapy one day because I <laughs> messed up in this way or I taught them this thing or I, I, I wasn't there or I, you know, 
you know, how am I emotionally scarring them? And we can just become overwhelmed and, and think that I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, attentive enough. And then just really pushing us back to the need for God. And, you know, the scriptures of, uh, of God saying, Jesus saying, like, you don't have to do it on your own. Like, you know, where you're weak, I am strong. Like, put it in my hands. Like, don't try to do it on your own strength. Because, yeah, you're going to fail. Like, you're going to mess up. But that's why I've come that, you know, you would have, you know, me. You know, you'd have the Holy Spirit in you to, to give you uh, that extra patience you need. To give you those words to speak when you don't want to speak. To, like, cry out to me and those turn those prayers uh, before the Father. And so just the reliance, the need for God in our everyday life, but so much more in raising children and, and seeking to be godly, uh, Christ-following parents. I Actually, Dan, when you were talking before about what you know about God that you didn't before, I hadn't thought about this, I don't think, in terms of parenting before, but like when Jesus said that I came um, to serve, not to be served, uh, just to that struck me as you were talking as like, I should probably keep this handy in parenting when I feel like, you know, what are my kids doing for me or whatever? Like to remember that God didn't give me them so that they could serve me. He gave me them so that I could be a servant to them from the middle of Psalm uh, 23 uh, verse four, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. Uh, And just that idea that I, so much of parenting is scary, and I'm sure there is like more scary stuff on the horizon. Um, even just like when your firstborn goes from sleeping in your room to into her own room, and that feels super scary. Um, I remember when Riley went to kindergarten and she took a bus, and we like they we did like a practice run of the bus. They like came and picked you up and took you to school, and I got to go with her. And she had a different driver. We didn't know this, but she had a different driver for the afternoon than she did in the morning. And the afternoon bus driver is who picked us up for the practice run. So the next day of school, the bus pulls up and it's a different bus driver. And Riley just immediately starts crying. And me too. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm putting my child on a bus with someone who I don't know. Like, this is so scary. And I think, you know, those are in the grand scheme of things, those are little things that aren't that big of a deal. But in the moment, and in so many moments of parenting, it can feel like this is the scariest thing ever. Uh, but to remember that we're not, we can't do it alone, like you said, Dan, but um, Psalm 23, 4 reminds me that I'm not doing it alone either, that God is is with me. Um, so I guess these are games. These are going to be games and or lighthearted uh, moments when it comes to parenting. I want each of us to give uh, the best or our favorite uh, TV parents. All right. Um, I've, I'll roll a dice and Pam goes first. Uh, best TV parents. Wow. Um, here's the thing. I don't have any, even though I watched quite a bit of TV growing up, um, I thought Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I the old, you know, I love that family. Um, even the mean lady um, who owned the store. <laughs> and I thought about I thought about Mr. Drummond from um, with the two sons. It, I mean, there's so many parents that I watched on TV, and I watch way more movies, so I don't have a show. You know, of course, people would think, oh, the Cosby, the Huxtables, but I'm like, no, I, the Brady Bunch. I think <laughs> that would be 
my favorite because I was a part of a blended family. Mm -hmm. And so I know the compromise. I know the energy that you have to put into bringing two families together. And there's nothing easy about that, especially with the outside forces. So with the Brady Bunch, they never even showed the significant others of the others, mm. which are usually the problem, right, really. Right. But um, if I had to say my favorite TV family, it would be the Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Dan, who is your favorite and or best TV? All right, parents? I got one like that's like kind of present day show, and then one that's like growing up show. So the present is okay. uh, Bandit from Bluey. Bandit and Chili from Bluey. Yeah. So Bandit, top tier dad, like makes you feel bad, but like very relatable. He's tired. He's sometimes going through the motion, sometimes on his phone, but he makes time for his kids. He's being funny with his kids. Like uh, I enjoy Bluey a lot. So that's my uh, present one is Bandit. Uh, in my past one, I'm going with Uncle Phil. From the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> nice, nice. So he wasn't, you know, I mean, he's the father of Carlton and the other kids, but he's not Will's father. But just he steps into that role for him to mm -hmm. be the stable yeah. one. And I think of some of the episodes where, like, the, you know, the famous one where he comes home crying and he's like, why doesn't he want me? And he just embraces him, Will. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, like when they're playing pool and they kind of get taken of all this money and he just like steps in and this is like, you know, he's like the lawyer or whatever. But he steps in. And he's just this cool like pool shark and he like helps out, you know, his nephew and his son yeah. and just like steps into that role as protector, as helper, uh, even though it's not his biological son, but is is there for that there for him. So I'll go Uncle Phil. Great choices. Great choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bandit and Chili definitely made mine. Bluey, for being a kid's show, is maybe, I don't know, is it the best show ever? <laughs> like, it, the, they are just really good. But, uh, so, parents, for me, I've already talked about on this podcast my love of Boy Meets World, but I think Alan and Amy Matthews are great parents. And, I mean, Boy Meets World was, like, prime, like, after-school special programming where, like, you're learning a lesson at the end of every episode, but um, those parents were great. And then I think like one of the more realistic parents for me were um, Coach and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. That show is one of my favorites. I've watched the whole series I think three times through. They just the like the way that they fought just rang very true. I'm like, yes, I've had this fight, and that's how <laughs> how that goes. Um, but then the way that they they apologize and they humble each other and come back to after those fights and, and make up. I'm like, yes, we need to do that as well. So, um, and then, you know, they, they just had one daughter. Um, but the way that they, they had issues and troubles and they have to navigate them together. And, uh, you know, one parent has one idea of how that should go. The other has another, but the way that they handle that separately from the child, it was just, I, I thought they were a, a very realistic couple. They had their warts, but, uh, then they always like would work it out and work it out together. Um, and so I really liked them. So 
good good parent choices there. So if you're struggling in your parenting, go watch any of the parents <laughs> that, that we mentioned. <laughs> learn from learn from TV. That's the best thing. So Pam, this game is called a Bible proverb or parents misheard. Uh, so this is the idea. You know, there's lots of private proverbs in the Bible. You already referenced some wisdom that godly wisdom, and then there's usually some things that we you know, here, you know, you know, people say it enough right. that you think it's in the Bible. Oh, everything happens for a reason. Cleanliness is next to right. godliness. You know, God works in mysterious ways. And you're like, no, those things aren't in the Bible. So I have a couple things. Some of them are proverbs and some of them are quotes from movies. Uh, so you and Dave, uh, you're going against each other. You have to tell me if this is a proverb from the Old Testament uh, or if this is a quote from a movie. And uh, okay. to make it a little more interesting, I use the New Century version, so it's a little more, uh, you <laughs> okay. know, it doesn't sound, you know, King James, it's like, doesn't sound necessarily right. like it's come from the Bible. All right. Uh, first one, having a kid is great as long as his eyes are closed and he's not moving or speaking. Ding, 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 a movie. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? I, I I think I'm going movie too. All right, bonus points if you know the movie. I don't. I right. definitely don't. This is Sonny Adam Sandler's character from Big Daddy. <laughs> no, that's my favorite movie. Hooters, Hooters, Hooters. No way. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> What's your five year plan? Don't die. <laughs> um. All right, good. So you guys are tied. All right, next one. It is better to live in a corner on the roof. Then inside the house with a quarreling wife. Proverbs. That's Bible. She finished that quote for you. I'm I'm trusting Pam here. She can she can get the point. It's a proverb. Yeah, so live after that. It's better to live on your roof than inside the house with a quarreling wife. Uh, Dave, so <laughs> I'll tell Leah that when I go home. <laughs> I, she'll, she'll probably help me move the bed up to the roof. So <laughs> all right. Next one. Don't fail to punish children. If you spank them, they won't die. <laughs> That's a little like spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah. But, but I'm going to go movie. I'm going to say movie too. That is NCV's Proverbs 23, 13. Oh, they changed <laughs> it. Okay. That's awesome. So. I, I'm, I love that that is a Bible verse, actually. <laughs> All right, next one. Being a good father is keeping the mother happy so she doesn't drive the kids crazy. <laughs> you know that's a movie. Look who's talking. Yep. So that's a quote. <laughs> wow. Being a good father is keeping the mother happy so she doesn't drive the kids crazy. All right, last one. Anyone who loves learning accepts correction, but a person who hates being corrected is stupid. Proverbs. <laughs> I, I'm going to start reading this version of the Bible. That is a proverb. Yes. But I, <laughs> I mean, lots, lots of the versions use the word stupid. Um, but yeah, person who hates being corrected is stupid. Proverbs 12.1, New Century Version. All right, so you guys tied. So we'll give it to Pam. You are the, the Bible proverb or parents misheard winner. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pam. For joining us uh, and all of you out there for joining the gospel according to remember to follow us on all social media platforms that exist or have ever existed instagram facebook twitter dig at tgat podcast tgat podcast 
Thank you for sharing the gospel according to with your family, your friends, your parents, your uncles, you know, finding somebody on the street, uh, finding the person in the store that's yelling at their kids and being like, hey, my friend Dave talked about you in this podcast. You should listen to it. You can always send us a mailbag question on our social media or at tgatpod at gmail.com. And we'll read that on air or on our weekly IG Live on Thursdays for our three-question Thursday. And you can do your part in obeying the Great Commission by helping us spread the gospel, according to podcast, by leaving a rating and review. Here is a five-star rating we got from Never Summer 11. Great content is the subject. Great content. I like, I like that. We're off to a good start. Really relevant and funny. Relevant and funny. Always worth a listen. Always. That was short, sweet, and to the point. Thank you, Never Summer 11, for that wonderful five-star review. If you leave a five-star review, we'll read it here on the podcast. Uh, and this was the Gospel According to... Parenting. That kid is such a jerk. And I never read that in the Bible. I know this isn't in the Bible, Pam, but she hit the terrible twos at about 19 months. <laughs> One of the things I remember is like having Abby and just like at Julie putting in her room, like for the first time and Julie would be like, go check if she's breathing. I don't know if she's breathing. You know, fourth kid, it's like, oh my gosh, she's not making a noise. This is great. Uh, the Huxtables, they made my list, but I think they have to be off because right, now, know, right? now Bill it's Cosby okay, has made it problematic. Right? I hate I know, that they're right? they're now a problematic uh, parenting couple. Hooters, hooters, hooters. <laughs> they won't die. And that is the goal. Keep your child alive. Hooters, hooters, hooters. <laughs> the Brady Bunch. Father of the year. We received thousands of entries, and the judges decided that the best came from your daughter, Marsha. Perhaps you'd like to see the letter she wrote. We've been conducting this contest for many years, and we have never read a tribute like that. And even though he's only been my dad for a short time, no father could be a realer father than Michael Brady. From Bluey. Bandit and Chili. I know how to cheer you up. Go get some stuffed toys and a chopstick. Okay. Okay, give him here. Dee -doo -doo. Please insert your coin to win fabulous prizes. <laughs> you have to say, cha-ching. Cha-ching. Doo-dee-doo. Congratulations! Enough toys for all! Ding, 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 Insert coin for awesome prizes. Ching. This machine doesn't take imaginary coins. Go and get a job and earn real ones. <laughs> Mom, can we have some real coins? I said, go and get a job. 
Well, if you kids make mum and dad's bed, I'll give you 20 cents. Oh, come on, Bingo! I'm watching you, Magic Claw. Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> you know, Will was doing just fine until you showed up. But now that you're back, you have responsibilities to him. Look, we're still going to take the trip. Oh, bull! Bull! Will is not a coat that you hang in the closet then pick it up when you're ready to wear it. His life goes on. He's not supposed to be here for you. You're supposed to be here for him. You get off my back! You think I want this? It just happened! Now, when Will was a baby, I was scared. I Cut was... the crap, all right? Cut it! Because I've been there. But I didn't run out on my family. I was there every day for them because that's what a man does. Boy meets world. Coach and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Hi. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's why I'm... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, you tell me. What is it? I've been thinking about something today. I'm going to make a proposal to you, and I don't want you to jump to any kind of immediate decision about okay. it, but... Okay. Right. Okay. I've been thinking that, um... Julie and I could maybe stay here until she graduates from high school. That would give her some closure here. It would allow me to continue my work here with the kids. Dylan and Austin aren't that far away from each other. I mean, it's not a long commute. You could go on take the job in Austin. It's not ideal, but it's a way that we could continue our lives, keep this family together. No. Just no? Yes, no. There's no way. You just can't say just no. No, and just I'll like tell you that. why it's not going to happen, because that commute between Dylan and Austin is not just a simple commute. That's a separation between this family. Well, no way. You know what? I need you to just think about it I'm for a second. I'm thinking about it. I'm listening. I thought about it. Well, I think we need to start to consider this now from the perspective of three people in this family. And you and I have a solid relationship. We have a mature relationship. We are mature people, and I know that our relationship can handle it. Well, you know and what? We no, in that sense, I'm not mature. I'm not mature. I can't handle that because that's not a relationship. That's not a family. That's not what this family is going to do. And as far as those three people, you're leaving one person out. And that would be me because I don't agree with this at all. I do not agree in any bit of what well, you've honey, said. You know what I'm thinking about right now? I'm thinking about how bad I'm going to feel leaving these kids here. Why is this happening? Honey, I need you to hear me here. I hear you. What I'm I doing hear here what is you important. say. I did this thing with Tyra today. I understand today. what you're these saying. These kids need me. And, what and I'm, that's what something I'm saying that is I there are other need, jobs and, and there are other this. kids that no, need your help as well. No, there are not other jobs. What I'm there saying is, this is job. I took the job me, and we are moving to, to Austin, period. These kids need me here. I would feel bad to leave. Can't you understand that? Hooters, hooters, 